You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody to the Spamrack Fantasy Baseball Thursday edition. Hope you're all doing well today. And we've got some daytime baseball, so uh, you know, what's there not to like? Uh, and what's there not to like about today's guest later on in the show? We're going to have C. Trent Rosecrans from the Cincinnati Enquirer, one of my favorite beat writers. And that's really saying a lot because there's some great beat writers out there for all the different teams. Uh, Trent is awesome. He has a great analytical mind. He's on top of everything Reds related, and he's going to join us later on in the show. Uh, but uh, there's call-up news to get to. There's a lot of injuries, as always, of course, uh, but it seems like even more today. But uh, I think the, the biggest news are the uh, two call-ups that we've had uh, recently. Derek Fisher up for the Astros and already made some waves in his first game. We're going to talk about that later in the show. And Matt Chapman getting the call for the Oakland Athletics. And in a related piece of news, uh, it has been reported that the A's are expected to designate Trevor Plouffe for assignment. And so there's all kinds of speculation that he may be at least uh, temporarily the third base uh, solution in Boston. But, uh, you know, getting ahead of ourselves here because uh, I don't even think that the move has been official yet for the A's. But uh, so Trevor Plouffe making way for Matt Chapman, uh, big, big time power hitter coming up from the PCL. Uh, but he's kind of an all-or-nothing type. So, uh, you know, whereas Derek Fisher, he's really an across-the-board type of contributor, or at least he, pro- he profiles that way. So uh, I've been recommending to uh, people on Twitter that um, that uh, Fisher should be picked up in pretty much every league. So, uh, you know, I like that. Uh, again, you know, he could give you some steals, uh, could hit for average. He's got power. We saw that already on Wednesday night, which was pretty awesome. Gets on base. Uh, he drew two walks in that game. So Fisher really could do it all. Uh, and, of course, you know, when I say add him in every league, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm I'm super confident that all those skills are going to translate right away from AAA to the major leagues. But there's just such incredible upside there, you know, in shallower leagues, if you have to drop or bench somebody to make way for, for Fisher, that person can be replaced pretty easily. In the deeper leagues, Fisher could be a big, big impact bat. And uh, in the standard 12-team leagues, you know, he's got the upside. I think that you know, there's probably somebody you could drop to make room for him, even if it doesn't work out. So those are really the big, big moves. And also related to Fisher, the Astros placed Josh Reddick on the seven-day concussion DL, uh, which makes room for Fisher in the uh, – in the lineup, but also, of course, on the 25-man roster. So, like I said, there's a lot more uh, going on, a lot of injury news that uh, I need to update you on. Some other call-ups, actually. Uh, much, much lower profile, but a couple call-ups that you need to know about for deeper leagues. Uh, and then, of course, as always, we'll take a look at yesterday's performances. And Trent Rosecrans coming up, too. So stick around. Lots of great stuff coming right up your way.
Welcome back. This is Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. And coming up, not this segment, but next segment, see Trent Rosecrans from the Cincinnati Inquirer. We're going to talk about the Reds, so you definitely want to stick around for that one. But you also definitely want to stick around for this segment because it is chock full of news that you need to hear about. Uh, but you also need to hear about the world's premier 24-7 fantasy sports radio network app. You can take it with you wherever you go. That's right. Download the fantasy sports radio app now in the iTunes store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. All right. So like I said, lots of news to get to. Also, a little bit of weather news from Roto-Grinders, Chief Meteorologist Kevin Roth. And one game that is really uh, affected by weather potentially, and that is the Rays at the Tigers. In fact, I just saw from the Rays account, a photo uh, from Comerica Park, and it looks really, really ugly there, uh, weather-wise. Um, beautiful park, by the way. Love Comerica Park. Um, 55% chance of precipitation at game time, which is 710 Eastern, uh, does decrease as the night goes on. Though. So hopefully they can get that one in in Detroit. That is Alex Cobb and Justin Verlander starting in that one. And as far as lineups go, we've got a few in. Uh, of course, we also have a couple of games that are ongoing right now. We've got the uh, Twins beating the Mariners. Uh, Ariel Miranda's already out of that one. Two home runs from Chris Menez in that game. We've got the uh, Indians and Dodgers going on. Uh, and uh, yeah, we got the Orioles and White Sox that just started either just started or about to start. I think it just started. But yeah, we've got the Red Sox, Phillies, Rays, and Tigers lineups in. And for the Phillies, this is one that probably is going to affect too many people. But, um, uh, sorry, the catcher, we got Andrew Knapp. And that, you know, to me is a little bit of a surprise because you got Chris Sale starting for the Red Sox. And I know that, that he uh, Cameron Rupp has been slumping lately. But uh, he has really, really great career numbers against lefties. Uh, granted, granted, Sale is, you know, very, very tough lefty, one of the two toughest lefties in baseball. But um, yeah, that's uh, kind of a surprising one to me. So Andrew Knapp there in the the Phillies lineup, which otherwise looks like a pretty typical Phillies lineup. All right, well, let's get back to the uh, news and uh, particularly injury notes from. Uh, Last, uh, you know, earlier today, late yesterday that you might might still be catching up on. Seth Smith, it appears, may go on the disabled list with a stiff back. And I had mentioned before the break, there are some very low-key minor league call-ups that you need to know about if you're in a deeper league. And one that the Smith news may impact is David Washington, who made his major league debut on Wednesday against the White Sox for the Orioles. Not an auspicious debut for David Washington. He went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. But there is some power in his bat. I will fully, fully admit and concede here that this time yesterday, if you had asked me about David Washington, I would have said, who? <laughs> I had, saw him in the, in the box score. Had absolutely no idea who he was. Uh, but looking up the stats, there is uh, some power there for David Washington. 
Uh, so at uh, Camden Yards, or even where the Orioles are playing right now at Guaranteed Rate Field, that's something that uh, could come into play. Again, very, very deep leagues we're talking about here. Uh, and Washington is also, uh, I don't think, let's see, yeah, not in the Orioles lineup for that game that's just underway there in Chicago. But again, in AL only leagues, something to keep an eye on there. Uh, CC Sabathia has been diagnosed with a grade two left hamstring strain. No word yet on the replacement in the Yankees rotation, although I have not seen anything about Chance Adams. That's the pitcher that everybody wants to know about. Uh, but I would think that Chad Green may get uh, another shot there in the rotation. Uh, hard to say, but I have not seen anything about Chance Adams. Matt Shoemaker left yesterday's game against the Yankees with uh, tightness in his forearm. So that is uh, obviously not a good development there for Matt Shoemaker. Kyle Hendricks uh, was scheduled. Actually, no, I'm sorry. He already has had an MRI on his sore hand, but I have not seen any word on results on that MRI. Neil Walker is going to have an MRI on his left leg today, which he injured, uh, appears very badly in Wednesday's game. Uh, and again, any news there on Walker or uh, Hendricks, uh, I will certainly pass that along if that comes through during today's show. Matt Harvey is going to see a doctor today regarding his tired arm uh, after a shortened outing yesterday. Brian Johnson's been placed on the 10-day disabled list with a shoulder impingement. This is his left shoulder, his throwing shoulder. He left yesterday's game against the Phillies early due to discomfort in that shoulder. So Johnson on the DL. Uh, What I've seen in terms of potential replacements there are uh, Kyle Kendrick and Henry Owens. So not really exciting mixed league options there. And actually, Henry Owens, it looks like, is having a pretty rough year at Pawtucket with a lot of walks this year. So, um, yeah, not much fantasy relevance that I can see there in terms of potential replacement. Colton Wong left uh, yesterday's game early with a tight right forearm. Uh, Matt Kemp also left early. There's a lot of players that uh, got hurt yesterday. He uh, has a tight hamstring, though, and according to Dave O'Brien of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Kemp could be back in the Braves lineup as soon as tomorrow. So definitely keep an eye on that one. Braves off today. And talking about low-key moves, this is one that I had in mind that's got me a little bit intrigued. Ezekiel Carrera was placed on the 10-day disabled list with a right foot fracture, so he is certainly going to be out a while. And replacing him yesterday in the Blue Jays lineup in left field was Dwight Smith Jr. And taking a little bit of a closer look at Smith's numbers in the minor leagues, uh, you know, he looks like a guy who's kind of, you know, he's all right across the board, but there's, there's no standout skill there when you look at it. But uh, he played in a very, very hitter-friendly park for a left-handed hitter in AA uh, with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. And the overall power numbers are not great, but he had some really skewed home road splits, very, very little power on the road, very good power in New Hampshire. And it just so happens that Dwight Smith now has a very hitter-friendly, power-friendly home park, and he's in the division with uh, some other parks that profile the same way. So Dwight Smith, I think he's more of a uh, a viable, you know, again, deep league option, but deep league streaming option, you know, maybe even 14, 15 team. It's uh, something that you want to track, you know, maybe you even in in very deep leagues stash them right now 
and in some of the closer to standard size leagues, you know, maybe like a 14 teamer, just uh, keep an eye on Dwight Smith's usage and how he does in those uh, home and away games. Uh, Julio Urias was placed on the disabled list at triple a, but he had an MRI on his left shoulder and it's negative. So it appears he just has shoulder inflammation. So some good news there in a way for uh, Julio Urias. And finally, Jason Kipnis not playing today, not in the lineup for the Indians against the Dodgers, but um, yeah, so he is dealing with neck spasms. So uh, Kipnis day to day with that. So as we roll into the weekend, Kipnis is certainly a player that you want to uh, you know see when he gets back into the Indians lineup with an eye towards not only your daily lineups, but towards your week 12 lineups. So, uh, like I said, a lot of news there, a lot of injury news, a lot of things that we'll need to uh, update you on if there's more news that comes across during the show. But uh, let's uh, talk about some of the big performances from Wednesday. You know, we've only got a couple of minutes before our next break, so we certainly can't get to very many here. But uh, we could certainly revisit the, the debut performance from Derek Fisher. Uh, he went two for three against the Rangers, and he homered and he walked twice. Didn't steal a base, so we didn't see the full complement of Derek Fisher's skill set. But we saw in one game uh, more than I think we could have reasonably hoped for. So that, to me, was a very, very encouraging debut from Fisher. And as they said in the first segment, Fisher is somebody that I think you could find a spot for in any kind of format, any depth of league. Um, and even in a, I think the 12-team mixed uh, leagues are the toughest ones to really speculate on for the, these uh, rookies coming up because you don't know how it's going to translate. You're going to have to drop somebody that's got some value and may not be easily replaced. But I think Fisher is a special kind of talent that it's it's worth searching for that player. And I was able to find somebody to drop uh, in in each one of my leagues where where Fisher was available. So I think it's it's definitely well worth it. So, uh, anyways, we'll get to some of the other performances. A lot of big ones to certainly focus in on Marcelo Zuna, who just keeps hitting. But before we talk about him and Ryan Healy and Kyle Schwarber and some of the other standout hitters, uh, we're going to have to see Trent Rosecrans on from the Cincinnati Inquirer coming up in the next segment. And uh, just when I thought I was ready to close the book on Zach Kozart, I figured this is somebody who's going to know something about that. We're also going to talk about the Reds draft and lots of other Reds-related things. So please stick around. You won't regret it. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Spanrag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And with me for this segment, very, very special guest from the Cincinnati Inquirer, Reds beat writer, C. Trent Rosecrans. Trent, welcome to the show. Thanks, Al. I appreciate it. And it's very, very special. That's, uh, that's quite the intro. I, uh, I don't think I, think, I think I've reserved that second very for, for this segment and for you. I don't think I've, I've rolled that out before. I know you are judicious with your praise, so that, that means quite a bit. <laughs> well, uh, it's great to have you on, Trent. Great to hear your voice, too. Uh, uh, but, uh, well, let's start well, with the future here, because uh, the Reds have gotten a lot of notice for the draft that was just concluded. And, yeah. um, you know, obviously they made the big, big splash with Hunter Green. 
Um, I certainly want you to talk about him and, and uh, you know, whether or not he's going to, it looks like, it looks like he's going to be a pitcher, but what the long-term plans are for green and the uh, sandwich pick Jeter downs and uh, you know, some other players that maybe we haven't given as much notice to. Yeah, it's been, a, um, you know, I think you've seen a lot of, um, I don't know, a, a lot of praise given to the Reds for, for not just taking Hunter Green. I mean, I think Hunter Green is, is kind of the big one just because so many people uh, already know who that is. And that's, that's pretty rare when we get to, um, when we get to, when we're talking about the MLB draft, it, it's quite rare that, that, that people know who's going to go and even one overall. Um, and so Hunter Green is kind of an anomaly there. However, um, the thing with with Green is, I mean, he, he was the type, you know, pretty much the consensus overall pick. Um, but the the other guys have gotten a lot of uh, praise for, for the rest of the draft. And this is after last year. Um, you know, most people, I, I saw a lot of praise for last year's drafts, thinking that they had the best draft last year as well. So, um, that is really something that they've added a lot of importance to and, and are apparently doing a very good job. Well, that's good. And, and I mean, the, the present, uh, I think is, you know, well, actually I've seen on Twitter, you're, you're uh, getting a lot of, uh, you know, flack, I guess, for people who, uh, you know, think that, uh, the team maybe should, should be going for it more. Uh, I, I find that sort of odd and, and from your responses, it seems like you, you're with me on that. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot to like in terms of what's going on this year with the Reds. And, you know, we got to start with Zach Cozart. I'm sure people who listen to this show pretty regularly are really tired of me talking about Zach Cozart because <laughs> every time he goes on his, you know, one of his offenses binges, which is, you know, at least every other day, it seems, uh, I try to figure it out. And I had come to some peace on thinking, well, he's a little better this year, but I, I still don't quite buy into the full breakout that he appears to be having. So I, I thought it'd be good to get your perspective on that. I mean, do you think that there is something that is truly significantly different about Zach Cozart this year as a hitter? Um, you know, there's a couple little things, and I don't know that they are, you know, just because there are differences in things that are changed and that improve, I don't think they're quite the improvement. Well, let's just say I don't think he's the best hitter in the National League. <laughs> I, I think we can start there. Um, and, and I think he's having a very good season. Um, he's changed his setup. Um, it's, it's, there's less movement in it. He's put the bat on his shoulder and just kind of moved from there. I think that's helped him, um, kind of, it's something that he talked about. He sees a lot of older players do it and it kind of is, is a way to, um, fight off aging. And we have to remember that that Hazard is 31. Um, so that's part of it. The other thing is it's not, uh, I was writing this the other day and I still haven't, um, publish this piece, but um, you know the biggest thing to me is that he's is how much he's not swinging, um, and he's really kind of what, what he said is he's been watching Joey Votto for six years, and he's trying to do some Joey Votto things, which is not swinging just because something's a strike. Um, if you look at it, he's swinging at fewer pitches outside the zone than he ever has, and he's swinging at fewer pitchers inside the zone as he ever has. Um, so really, you know, he's kind of taken to heart what, what Joey Votto has talked about for so long is that you don't need to swing at pitches just because they're strikes um, until you have two strikes. Uh, but what you do is you make sure early in the count that you pick your the pitch that you want to hit and you don't and that, that you can do damage with. And, and he's really done a good job of that. 
Yeah, no, Piers, he has. And, and that is the one thing that, that shows up loud and clear in the numbers is the increased plate discipline in the patients. Uh, it's just really astounding how that's, you know, apparently translated into, into such better results. Now, um, do you think that Zeke Pozart's could be around long enough to watch Joey Votto even for the rest of this year, uh, much less beyond this year? You know, it, it is an interesting question. And coming into the season, he was the one obvious trade candidate. He's someone that they came very close to trading last year at the at the deadline, um, and they just couldn't couldn't quite uh, hook up with the, the Mariners about what the the Mariners would send back. They just never quite figured it out, um, and they kind of flirted with the Mariners in the off season before the Mariners uh, went in another direction. Done all right there, um, but. It's a he's a player that they would certainly trade, but it's kind of tricky because he's he's a very good defensive. He's an elite defensive shortstop and having a very good offensive year. But you need a contender who thinks that he is clearly an upgrade and are willing to give something back. And um, you know, at, at what point is he more valuable? to maybe I see I don't even know if you offer him a qualifying offer next year and and all those things so you know I I think by most accounts he will be traded but I think there's still still the problem of finding out just exactly who they match with because in the end somebody has to be looking for for a very good frontline shortstop Right, exactly. I mean, it would be very, uh, I mean, it's not as easy as it, as it might sound, you know, given that it, it seems like he's got his prime trade value at this point. But let's say they do find a and, partner. Um, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to ask who. Well, I'm, uh, I'm just saying, it's like, you know, most good teams, most teams that are good already have that position locked down. You know, and, and it, so it's just such a such a finite number of, of possibilities. But, yeah. So I was just going to continue that. Yeah, and and you know, and as I say, it feels like every show. I mean, certainly offensively, that position has gotten so much better in a very short amount of time. But there's a lot of very good defenders too, and that was the appeal of Cozart to the Mariners, as far as I understood it, was to really upgrade defensively there. And uh, you know, so they wound up moving on to Gene Segura, who you know, when he was healthy and playing, certainly filled that need. Uh, but let's let's uh, switch over to the outfield. I made a point on this show about a week ago that I had a hard time understanding why Scott Shebler, in terms of fantasy, was far less popular than Chris Davis. And this is the the A's Chris Davis, um, given that I look at their stat lines and and the skill set, and to me, they look extremely similar. Uh, but you wouldn't have said this necessarily a year ago. So really two questions is, is you know, do you think Shebler can continue to, to produce on a Chris Davis-like level? And how did he even get to this level in the first place? You know, I, he's one of those guys that needed opportunity, and he wasn't talked a lot about in that big three-team trade. I mean, he was a bar- guy who was barely mentioned, and that was the, the trade that sent Todd Frazier to the uh, White Sox and brought Jose Peraza, Scott Shebler, and Brandon Dixon to the to the Reds, um, and then some other younger guys, um, Trace Thompson and, and others, going to to the Dodgers. Um, here's a guy who was. You know, in college, he was just a DH and didn't have a defensive position. Um, and he kind of, he'd always hit. When you looked at it, he'd always hit, especially right-handed pitching. Um, and he was given given a shot. 
and he's he kind of uh, got the shot last year at the beginning of the year. He was in a, uh, um, a platoon with Adam Duvall. Uh, Adam Duvall won that and then went on to become an all-star last year. Uh, Shebler went down to to Louisville, really performed, and then when Jay Bruce was traded, came up. Uh, his first game back at a walk-off off, off um, the Cardinals' closer O, um, then struggled some, but then kind of came back. And, and, and the thing is, the, the power has always been there. That's the one thing that has never been questioned is the power of this guy. Mm-hmm. And you add that in Great American Ballpark um, and playing every day, and it's showing through. Yeah, because, well, initially in the season, I thought, okay, well, this is a really good uh, venue for him, but he's really hit everywhere. So that's that, to me, was yeah. kind of the, the, the real difference maker for Shebler. Uh, well, uh, Trent, a couple of minutes left in this segment. We haven't even talked about pitching yet, but I think if we focus <laughs> on anyone, it really needs to be Amir Garrett, who appeared to get back on track with a really nice start against the Padres. But uh, it, you know, it's hard to kind of separate, uh, you know, is it just the, the Padres being such a good matchup? Or do you think Amir Garrett is, is somebody who could be reliable going forward? Um, you know, that's a good question. He, he's, he's a young pitcher like so many other young pitchers. But early he, he, he just kind of dominated and looked, at, um, looked very good. And then he had some struggles. Uh, the hip injury uh, wasn't helpful. And like any other, like every young player, he says it's not an excuse. Um, but I would want to know if it's a reason, and that's kind of something that's been tough to get out of him and from the Reds. Uh, but, you know, he has poise, he has the stuff, and he's a big, tall left-hander, and that can take you a long way. Yeah, absolutely, especially if he can pitch like he did uh, the first first few starts out this season. Um, so I've got one other question that has no fancy bearing whatsoever, but are we going to see Good. Michael Lorenzen play the outfield this year? I don't think so, and I'd love to see it, though. Um, and not- he's certainly <laughs> capable. It's, uh, you know, he's not Billy Hamilton fast, but he's not that far off. Wow, that's that's amazing. I would love to see it, too. So, Well, Trent, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. And uh, if you're not following Trent on Twitter, you should be. So uh, he's at, at CTrent. Uh, so, Trent, uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time today it- and uh, appreciate your insight and knowledge and uh, maybe we can have you back on again sometime in the future. Anytime, Al. You know that. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, uh, stick around, folks. We'll be right back. Lots of standout hitting performances from Wednesday that we are going to be here to break down for you. So stay tuned. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. We are here to keep your fantasy team staying alive. That's right. And I'd like to thank C. Trent Rosecrans for uh, all the great information on the Reds and for him to share his time with us and his knowledge on the show. Uh, So big thanks to Trent uh, for that last segment. Uh, Moving on, uh, like I said, we've got lots of uh, hitter performances to break down not just from wednesday but also looking at the bigger trends particularly want to do uh, a little more of a deeper dive on uh, marcelo zuna ryan healy kyle schwarber several others uh go just take a quick look at the lineups uh the mets lineup is in and of course neil walker out uh tj rivera 
starting at second base, uh, Jose Reyes again at shortstop. And uh, I think that's uh, pretty much it. So nothing real notable there uh, in terms of the news, injury news front. The Cardinals have placed Colton Wong on the DL with a triceps injury. Tyler Thornburg is undergoing season engine, uh, season ending surgery for his thoracic outlet syndrome uh, that he has been out with. And Michael Conforto uh, getting back to lineups, not in that Mets lineup. Uh, so we've got uh, Jonas Suspedes in there, left field. Uh, so we've got Suspedes, Lagares, and Bruce in the Mets outfield. All right, so a uh, bit uh, teasing, uh, talking about uh, Marcelo Zuna, uh, but we do need to get to the two-homer performance of the day from yesterday. That's Mookie Betts in a four-for-five performance. He also doubled, so that's 11 homers, 23 doubles on the year. This was against the Phillies. Uh, and the only thing I think there's really there there is to analyze with bets is just the batting average is just not quite I think what owners probably drafted him for not quite that what they expected he's sitting 275 on balls in play he is pulling the ball more and I think that's uh, you know we're seeing a big dividend there in terms of the power especially the doubles power which is not a big surprise for somebody who plays half of his games at Fenway Park. But that may be a little bit of a drag on the batting average. But again, I think you know if you're getting a, a slight batting average drop to create more power uh, as a fantasy owner, you certainly can't complain about that. Uh, Marcelo Zuna hit a 17th home run on Wednesday against the Athletics uh, at Marlins Park, and he also doubled. That's his 13th double. And Ozuna's been pretty steady. And you know, the throughout his career, I mean, he's had some really nice hot streaks before. I don't know that he sustained production for quite this long. Not that I can remember. Uh, but he is certainly backing it up uh, in terms of uh, making a lot of strong contact. He currently has 23 barrels. So this is you know, from the, the StatCast uh, stats over on Baseball Savant. And that's good for 13th in the major leagues. And it's pretty much a who's who of uh, power hitting ahead of Ozuna on that list. The one name that might not fit uh, who's just ahead of him is Nick Castellanos. But I've talked quite a bit about him this year. And I'm far from alone in talking about the the power potential that Nick Castellanos has uh, because he, like Ozuna, is right there uh, with all the top power hitters with the, the not quite at the same level of, say, an Aaron Judge or George Springer, but right behind them. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've, I've been sort of hesitant to buy to Ozuna because it seems like he's teased us before with uh, a, a month or two of really good hitting, but this is not only more sustained, but it's, it's really at an elite level at this point. Ryan Healy, I feel like has not gotten quite the same level of attention or respect for what he's done. I mentioned Ozuna's got 23 barrels. Healy's got 22 He's homered 15 times, so the 15th coming on Wednesday at Marlins Park. He went three for five. He, too, doubled. That's his 17th double of the year. Batting 282, and now Healy doesn't walk a lot, so you know I think Ozuna certainly, you know, it's odd to compare them because they're different positions, but I'm lumping them together because they do have some similar stats, and they played against each other last night, so that makes it convenient. But, uh, you know, I, I think that the comparison is telling in that, uh, you know, Ozuna, I think a lot of people uh, in the fantasy circles have really bought into him. He's pretty much a, a universal start, universal own. 
Ryan Healy's a little bit short of that. And uh, playing a position that you could argue is maybe even a little more scarce uh, at third base. Although, uh, you know, there's certainly some nice depth there too. So uh, Healy is, I, I mean, this is very shallow leagues where you probably would find Ryan Healy. But I, I've, I've streamed him in and out of my lineup this year. So I know he's out there in, in a 12-team mixed league even. So he's worth picking up or trading for uh, at this point. Now, Kyle Schwarber, very, very frustrating season so far for him and his owners, but there are some real signs of life here from Schwarber. And last night at the Mets, he went two for four, hit his 12th home run of the season, and now over his last eight games, Schwarber is seven for 23, which is a 304 batting average with three home runs and a pair of doubles, and he's walked three times. So that's uh, a pretty nice slash line over a week or so of work, a little more than a week of work there for Kyle Schwarber. And all season long, I mean, he's been a frustration in terms of batting average. He hasn't had the OBP uh, that you would want from him because I think we all expected to some degree that Schwarber might not hit for average, probably not struggle as much as he had. But you figure at least in an OBP league or a points league, he's going to walk a lot. But uh, the one thing that Schwarber's done pretty consistently this year is hit for power against right-handed pitchers. 247 ISO for Schwarber against righty. So now that, again, in a very, very small sample, that he seems to be coming around in terms of getting on base a little bit more and getting more hits that aren't homers, um, you know, that's that's pretty much what, what, you know, should push Schwarber over the top and get him into your lineup for uh, next week. Um, but, you know, keep an eye on him over the weekend, but uh, should be a good, good week. And if I remember correctly, I don't think the Cubs are facing any lefties in week 12. Um, certainly want to double check that, but uh, if they're facing any, it's not many. That's for sure. Jorge Bonifacio hit his ninth home run uh, in his 45th game played this year for the Royals. Uh, this was at the Giants, and he also doubled for the sixth time this year. So Bonifacio has been a nice, surprising power source there uh, for for the Royals, uh, batting 266, which is, you know, for, you'll take that, uh, certainly, uh, I'd say, in a 14-team mixed league. I don't know that Bonifacio has quite forced the issue yet in terms of a 15-team mixed league, but uh, if you're in that sort of format, Bonifacio is somebody that you uh, at very least need to put on your your watch list, uh, maybe stash if you've got the room. His teammate Whit Merrifield has certainly been getting a lot of notice and went three for six on Wednesday, also at the Giants, of course. He doubled for the seventh time this year, and he stole his seventh base. So he's really picked up the stolen base pace compared to last year. And based on the minor league numbers, it looked like that was an area where Merrifield might be able to help. But he's really graduated beyond just the guy where he'd say, well, you know, He's got a nice kind of all-fields approach, and he can chip in with steals a little bit, and you know maybe a nice guy to have in a 15-team mixed league, uh, to being something much more than that. He is hitting a lot more fly balls, which, of course, is the trend that is sweeping the nation. Last year, he hit fly balls at a 30% rate. This year, at a 41% rate. But the thing I would caution with Merrifield is that I feel like people are getting maybe a little overhyped on him. Uh, because he's got decent enough numbers against righties, but not enough that I would really want to have him in a 12-team mixed league. A lot of the overall numbers look great, but they're really being propped up 
by a 950 OPS against left-handed pitchers. So, uh, you know, Merrifield's really improved his production in a lot of ways. And like I say, anything deeper than 12-team mixed league, Merrifield needs to be owned in it. But be aware of those lopsided stats, uh, or splits rather, uh, if you're thinking about him in a standard league. Chris Taylor keeps on producing. He doubled for the 11th time, stole a pair of bases against the Indians on Wednesday. You know, has seven stolen bases, same as, as Merrifield. And uh, he, you know, much like Merrifield too, he has a uh, profile that suggests that he'll just keep keep hitting. He's got a 35% pull rate, uh, which means he's, he's spraying to all fields. And, and he is spraying because he's got a 26% line drive rate. And here's the one that I love that really puts him above and beyond Whit Merrifield. He's got a 7% soft contact rate, Chris Taylor. That's one of the lowest. If he qualified, that would be either second or third lowest in the majors. I know Miguel Cabrera has the lowest. Uh, that tells you something right there. And then one more hitter I, I want to um, just uh, revisit here because I've already mentioned him in the show. I mentioned Dwight Smith as a potential replacement for Ezekiel Carrera, who's on the 10-day DL with a right foot fracture. In his first game, what the, the first of many we, we have yet to see, but his first game is a replacement for Carrera. He went three for four and stole his the first base of his major league career, uh, this against the Tampa Bay Rays. So as I mentioned before, uh, earlier in the show, Smith put up some really good power numbers when he was in a good hitting environment. He's got that now with the Blue Jays, and he's got good hitting environments on the road uh, pretty much everywhere in the AL East with the exception of uh, Tropicana Field. So uh, Smith is somebody to uh, definitely keep tabs on in your your deeper leagues. Uh, we have not talked about pitchers at all, other than Amir Garrett, who we talked about with uh, Trent Rosecrans. Uh, we'll come back to Garrett, but uh, the two pitchers, it was not, we've been very hitter focused on today's show because it was really a day dominated by hitters on Wednesday. But uh, Garrett was a, a standout. Francis Martez we'll talk about, but the, really it was more of a negative vibe. Johnny Cueto and Tanner Roark, bad starts for them again. So for the last segment, I really want to focus on those two, Cueto and Roark. Because people are starting to wonder, can they trust these guys uh, in a standard league? I will try to answer those questions when we come back for break. So stick around. Welcome back, everybody. This is the final segment of today's FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And before we get on to a little bit of pitcher analysis, let me tell you about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a wizard of the waiver wire. And learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every single week. And this season, you also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now 
and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code free radio at the checkout to get a special discount. So I had said before the break uh, that uh, we'd talk about Johnny Cueto and Tanner Roark, but before we do that, uh, one other piece of pitching news. Uh, this is from Anthony DeComo of MLB.com. He says uh, on Twitter that Mets doctors have diagnosed Matt Harvey with a stress injury to the scapula bone in the right shoulder and that he is expected to miss several weeks. So um, I think it is safe to drop Matt Harvey if you uh, have been hanging on, waiting, I, th- I think that that was a reasonable thing to do. But with this uh, news, uh, it's, uh, yeah, we're not going to see Harvey for a while. Uh, all right, so back to Wednesday's pitching standouts, good and bad. The good was Mir Garrett. I talked about him with C. Trent Rosecrans. Uh, six innings, two runs on seven hits and two walks with eight strikeouts at San Diego. His first quality start since May 6th. So hopefully Garrett back on a good run there. And Francis Martez making his first Major League start. He had already been in one relief appearance for the Astros. He went five innings against the Rangers, uh, allowed just one run on three hits and two walks with 7K. So very impressive first start for Martez, uh, who I would say he had some control issues in the minors. So pick him up in a 12-team mixed league if you got the room. But I would wait another start or two. I'd say one start probably if it's a really good one to get Martez into your rotation. So the other standouts were the standouts of the negative variety. Johnny Cueto and Tanner Roark. Cueto went seven innings allowing, or I'm sorry, five innings allowing five runs on 10 hits and three walks with five strikeouts against the Royals. Roark also just five innings, seven runs on nine hits and two walks with five strikeouts against the Braves. So ostensibly pretty decent matchups for both pitchers and uh, just the latest for both of them and, and some disappointing results. Of the two, I have a little hope for Tanner Roark because of breaking down what's gone wrong for him this year. It's been mostly against lefties. His numbers against righties, not too different from last year. But against lefties, uh, the the big secret to uh, Roark's success last year was preventing hits on balls in play. Against lefties, he had a 255 BABIP. This year's up to 298, which is normal. But Roark is kind of a normal pitcher in other regards, so he has to be excellent in this regard to really succeed. And he's been very normal uh, on balls and play against lefties. And if you uh, have the time, go check out the uh, the, the heat map for Roark this year versus last year because he's pitching in the zone much more to lefties. If you can get back to last year and, and get them to, to to pitch more outside the zone and get them to chase it, then you got classic Roark. So it seems like that's something that could fix itself. Cueto's just been giving up a lot of hard contact. His, his hard contact rate is up. Pull rate's up. Line driver is up. So you just can't start Cueto at this point. One start, two starts, doesn't matter. Uh, I think it's premature to drop him, but uh, you, you, you cannot use Cueto uh, outside of a pretty deep league at this point. So on that kind of downer note, sorry to say, uh, that's where I'm going to wrap things up today. So I will be back tomorrow, same time, same channel. So hope to see you there. Stay tuned for the rotation. And hope to see you here again tomorrow. Take care.